0: I'm Beth Bruno, and you're listening to The Fierce and Lovely Podcast. This is a podcast for women who wonder how strength and weakness coexist, or how to bless both bravery and tenderness, for those longing to bring the fullness of their glory to the world without a chip on their shoulder. For those who have embraced a global sisterhood and left small storied lives behind, this is for you, the fierce and lovely women seeking the both and of a big storied life. Join me as I chat with fierce and lovely women around the world. In this episode, I talk with the amazing Natasha Sistrunk Robinson, an international speaker, leadership consultant, diversity and mentoring coach with nearly 20 years of leadership experience. Natasha is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and Gordon-Calmwell Theological Seminary Charlotte. She has served as a Marine Corps officer and employee at the Department of Homeland Security. Now, Natasha is the author of the newly released A Sojourner's Truth, choosing freedom and courage in a divided world. She also hosts her own podcast, A Sojourner's Truth, conversations for a changing culture and is the visionary founder and chairperson of the nonprofit Leadership Links. Natasha is the proud mother to a beautiful 11-year-old daughter and wife of nearly 15 years. We've had an incredible conversation that I cannot wait to share with you. And if you would like to possibly win a copy of her new book, A Sojourner's Truth, Ivy Press has generously offered to send one lucky listener a copy. All you need to do is listen to the end to find out how to go about winning. Thanks. And here's my conversation with Natasha. Hey, Natasha, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. I, you know, I don't feel like we've talked or I've even seen you since that day we ran into each other at the IJM Global Prayer Gathering in D.C., and I think that was like two years ago.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. We are here busy and, and doing important things, and so sometimes we miss each other.
0: I love how we kind of share that as one of our passions, the commitment to end global human trafficking. Are you still actively involved with IJM? Yeah, actually I
1: just um it's so funny the days and weeks are running together. I'm traveling so much. But I was just with them, I wanna say three weeks ago in Texas. They did their event called Liberate, celebrating their twenty year anniversary. So I took my family, my whole family went um there and we did Um, I did some volunteer training. Um, I've been a uh, North Carolina state advocate for them for the last four or five years. And so we did that. Um, It was a wonderful time to, again, remind us of the important work that um, IJM is doing and, um, you know, 40 million people estimated are still uh, trapped in modern day slavery or human trafficking and um, they're doing very important work. And so my family, we continue to support them financially. And as I'm able, I continue to ab- advocate and volunteer with the organization.
0: I I love that. And when you talk about your family, tell us a little bit about who you're who you're referring to. What's your family? Right.
1: So I'm married to Durante Robinson. Uh, we've been married, um, May was 14 years, so we're going on now 15 years. And um, we met both of us when we were in the military. So he was a Prior Marine in officer training and I was in um preparatory school for the Naval Academy. So that's when we met and we have a daughter, Ashley. She's eleven years old. She's in sixth grade.
0: And she is absolutely gorgeous. Oh. <laughs> do you thank get that a lot? You. I mean she is I do. I do. stunning. <laughs> stunning and I we're gonna circle back to Ashley because I just want to talk a little bit more about how you're raising um, your daughter because that's another shared passion that I think we have but before we get into that let's let's talk a little bit about what you're currently working on I just Natasha I see you as such an advocate for um, injustice and speaking out and mm-hmm. sharing your story through that and so your recent, your book that's just come out, A Sojourner's Truth, um, is a part of that vision and mission for you. And I I think that your book is one of the most unique memoirs because it overlays your story with these big picture truths for all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have been just highlighting, highlighting, highlighting <laughs> um, so anyways, I just have loved it. And we're going to be offering a free giveaway that people can get. And it's just, just hit the bookstores now. So um, let me read a quote that I would love to just kind of kick off our conversation around. Do you mind? Sure. Okay. So I forget what chapter it was in, but you wrote, Being a strong Black woman is knowing quite deeply that the two, strength and weakness, Authority and vulnerability can coexist, and this knowing is often born out of much suffering and sorrow. I, I loved that. Um, I talk a lot about that as well, and have written about that in my book as well. This coexistence of strength and weakness, kind of mm-hmm. this both and, and so I wanted to ask you, Natasha, where do you see that as well as? you know, the both end of fierce and lovely authority and vulnerability, where do you see that coexisting among Black women?
1: Yeah, I think that's just who who we are. And why I say that is because um, so many of us have been raised by uh, strong women, you know, may that be our mothers or our aunts, our grandmothers. And for me, I um, I grew up around a lot of strong Black women. And it wasn't because the men weren't around. Our men, um, by and large, my family, they they were faithful. They stayed around. They stayed married. Um, But there was just so many more women. So my mom has three sisters and one brother. My dad has one brother and five sisters. My grandmother, um, I think it was nine of them, and there's only three boys of the nine. That's my maternal grandmother. And so um, my family is just surrounded by, by Black women. So, so, to some extent, you learn how to be from the women that raise you. And so um, I, I think that's a story that's, that's really universal for, for Black people, particularly in America, um, because we, you know, are used to seeing Black women take care of um, and, and serve so many other people, you know, they're caring for not just and to some of this, you know, all of us are doing, but, but it's in a different way. So Black women are caring for, you know, their, their spouses, their children, their parents, but then you know they're caring for other people's kids too. And so the Black community is, is very much a communal, more communal um, than individualized. And so we, there's an African proverb that says it takes a whole village to raise a child. And so um, that's our posturing as women in, in this community that we don't just care for our own children. We care for our neighbor's children and the children at the school where my children go to school. And so we would care and treat those children in the same way um, that we would our own children to, to a great extent. And so um, I think that's where the strength comes from. Um, the, the, the challenge, though, with that is that there's this myth of, you know, strong black woman and that we'll just stand against anything, right? It's like the superpower. And so mm-hmm. I think um, the, the strength thing is what we learn. The vulnerable thing is what we have to submit to, is when God helps us realize, hey, I'm God and you're not, and you can't be all things to all people. You can't take care of everybody. And most importantly, you need to take care of yourself. And so that's why, you know, I'm always talking about when I think about leadership, particularly, which is my, my spiritual gift and calling the thing I'm most passionate about, I'm talking about how to develop leaders holistically. And so I'm talking about, you know, self-care in that, you know, are you caring for your body? Are you eating well? Are you, you know, drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? You know, um, take yourself to the spa, <laughs> like, you know, and, and so we're not just burning ourselves out. And so really, um, we're just not any good to anyone at that point. Um, So I think the vulnerability is really acknowledging that God is God and we are not, we can't be all things, all people. We have to make sure we're also taking care of ourselves so that we can continue to do the work that's so important to us and loving the people that are so important to us for a long, for a long time. And so I think that's where that vulnerability comes to say, Hey, we can't sometimes got to say no. Right. And we can't do everything all
0: the time. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You referred to that kind of lesson as a spiritual discipline that you Mm -hmm. specifically learned from black women. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what what a gift that you you received in being surrounded by women who, and you wrote, who were consistently showing up to comfort, to sustain, to grieve, to celebrate, and to start something new mm-hmm. with you and in your community. I, I just think that's such a gift.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I, I think I think you know, in society, there are so many messages we receive, especially as women, about what sustains you and what validates you and a lot of that comes from who we are attached to right so it's not even that you have value on your own as a woman it's like you have value because of who you're married to or because of who you parent and how well you marry and how well you parent right and so i think you know that's that's not that's not um good news and it's not true like the truth is you have value in your personhood in your humanity as someone created in the image of god and so i think that um You know what what is important is to um encourage us to love well to be present and to show up for each other and um and in that we get a better sense of of who we are um but also you know who god created us to be and that is revealed to us through our community a lot you know of, of so so who we're connected to is important but it's not important for the sake of of affirming our identity or validating us is important because these are the the relationships that god uses to shape us and to form us into the people that he wants us to be
0: So Natasha, can you speak a little bit more into this both and of fierce and lovely that I'm trying to wrestle out with women on this show? I, you know, I define fierce as coming alongside of God to come against injustice. Mm -hmm. And I define lovely as coming alongside of God to bring forth life and beauty. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you get at those themes in your book as well. I feel like that's you know, partially what you're referring to when you talk about this coexistence of strength and weakness. So let's talk a little bit more about that, about finding the both and of fierce and lovely and how we reflect that in the work that we do, the families we lead, the life we live. Um, where have you seen that played out in your world?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, again, I think there's so many ways that we conditioned to, you um, accept or define what's important and what's invaluable right and not all those things are true and so um for example we in the church we say it's important to hear the preach word from the pulpit but we also might not honor the creativity and the beauty of seeing god show up in in an artist, right? That's like less important work. It's not as spiritual, which I, I completely disagree with, right? And so I feel like God is revealing himself in in all things. Um and and, and you know, Paul writes about this even in, in Romans one, about, you know, the 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 heavens, you know, um God reveals himself to us in nature and we can see him in, in all things in in the, in the beauty of those things. And so I think, you know, what I would like to encourage us uh, as believers to do is to not be so um, confined in our thinking of, of how God is revealing Himself to us and how He's causing us to show up and really to encourage the body and encourage other people that may not even know Him. And so, when I think about fierceness and and, and love and being lovely, fierce and to me, one of the things I'm really trying to get across in this book is being bold and courageous in truth telling. I think that's very, very important, especially in our day, and and that's going to require something of you, and it's fierce behavior, because not everybody likes the truth. Um, I'm just going to be, you know, direct about that, and so I think that's important, uh, important discipline, like, to make a habit of telling the truth, right? Um, But I also think the lovely part of it is it is loving to tell the truth, right? (laughs) <laughs> and I think that, you know, because a lot of times we pacify people with things because we think their feelings might get hurt or we don't want to hurt the relationship and we don't realize it's unloving to, to do that, right? And so I think one thing that um, artists reveal to us, may that be spoken word artists or musicians or people that actually paint or draw or even people that cook and, you know, have wonderful cupcake displays like the all of these ways what they reveal to us is the beauty of god and so i think that when we are out here being prophetic and telling the truth and preaching the word and sharing the word and encouraging people to pray that that's all very important and we need to put that next to a god who is good and a god who created all things for our benefit and for our pleasure and for a god who um, wants us to enjoy those things that he's created. Um, because when he was done creating, he said that everything was very good. And so I think we want to do both. And And I think the latter encourages us and inspires us when the truth-telling and that element of our faith uh, gets hard.
0: I, yeah, I think that's kind of what you do so well in the book is it's that focus on the, the gift of truth-telling. That we get to offer to the world, and we're called to offer and speak truth. And the book is—that's what's so unique about the way you've overlaid your truth with these bigger truths. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like how you've described the combination <clears throat> of truth-telling being both fierce and lovely. I also, I love the section where you actually name, but but this is this also evokes anger. Mm -hmm. at times. And anger around mistruth um, is a holy anger. Mm -hmm. And I want to read a section that just really struck me uh, in regards to this idea of being fierce. Um, You wrote, I am angry that there's no place of safety for Black people in America. I'm angry that far too many Black and poor children don't get to live up to their full potential because of systemic injustices and a public school system that so often fails them. I'm angry that their parents sometimes lack the education, support, and social structures needed to help their children thrive. I'm angry about slavery, past and present. I'm angry that women are marginalized and not paid fairly for the work. I'm angry that the American church is oftentimes too slow and passive about almost everything that matters. I'm angry that people have to fight for basic rights like clean water, healthy food, safe shelter, and health care. I'm angry when people abuse children. I'm angry every time a Black person gets shot by the state with impunity. I'm angry when lies, myths, and alternative facts are perceived as truth because folks don't read, have compassion for, or initiate relationships with people who are different from them, or simply care enough to check a source. I'm angry about a lot of things. If there is no anger, then there perhaps then perhaps there is no consciousness. When we are angry about the things that make God angry, that is a righteous, not a self-centered anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I should have had you read it because (laughs) then we could have just said, preach it. Um, Because that is haunting to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the whole litany of Mm -hmm. yes, amen, yes, amen, yes, amen. But then to that statement of if there is no anger, then perhaps there is no consciousness Mm -hmm. because it that is a holy and sacred anger because it it grieves God. It's just it's not what He intended for us. T- talk more about this. Tell tell me more about all of this. Yeah, I, I think that um,
1: you know the the reality is is that whenever there's an injustice, that there are people that are benefiting, from you. and so um, you're you can't be angry about something when when you're reaping benefits. <laughs> So I think that, um, and this is where the, the latter part of that quote of saying, if there's no anger, perhaps there's no consciousness. It's like, you just don't know. And sometimes you don't know because you're benefited. Sometimes you don't know because you don't want to know, right? Because you're only the way that you receive information is only from one source and from everybody who vote like you and agree with you and think like you do. Um, and so there's, you know, this whole saying of ignorance is bliss, right? It's, and, and. And I think it's a very dangerous thing, particularly for those who call themselves Christians, because Christ was consistently coming up against the oppressive hand of not only the Roman government, but also the religious people of the day, right? He was always... um, standing and proclaiming good news you know even in his proclamation in Luke and reading from the um passages in Isaiah good news to the poor um a relief for the prisoner sight to the blind like these are physical and spiritual manifestations that Jesus was proclaiming and so that's hopeful for people who are oppressed and poor and marginalized that Jesus is offering you good news that is the gospel's message right and so i think that um, for us to be honest about our anger when it is a righteous anger is healthy and I think in the church so often we we don't want people to talk about that like it's kind of like a hush thing or maybe you're not trusting God enough or maybe you know um, your spirit is not right because you're angry it's like no 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 no. if you read the book like God gets angry a lot and he gets angry about sin Like God hates sin. And most of the time, especially in the Old Testament, when you're seeing people sin, God getting angry about it with this narrative I'm following in Exodus, there's a consequence every time for the sin. And and all throughout the law, Um, there's always a consequence for blatant sin and disobedience. There's always a consequence. And so we should not forget that the wages of sin is death. And so it's actually unloving to continue and not acknowledge the ways that sin is is destroying people's lives, right? Especially if we are in a position of power where we can say or do something about it. I think that's very, very important for us to realize. And the last thing I'll say about that is, uh, there's a quote I put right after this. Chapter I forget the guy um, who said it, but he said that anger is a good motivation for leaders, it is a thing, and for me, I, I see it it's a thing that turns into passion that drives them to work towards those good and godly and holy ideals, right? Mm-hmm. And so, right. um, and so it's, it's this reality of living in a now and not yet kingdom that, um, that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now and it's out to proclaim and to partake of, and yet we know. That um, it's not fully realized yet, in that we're still impacted, whether we know Christ or not. By the fallenness of this world, by the sin of this world, by the prince of the air who's working against the advancement of God's kingdom, we're all impacted by that. And so I think there's a a, consci- a consciousness that's needed about the spiritual warfare that is happening as well and what causes people to sin and be in such, um, you know, very hard situations, those things I'm naming that makes me angry, um, systemic and or individual or relational. Um, and then we and then really be asking our questions as Christians. What is God calling us to in light of this righteous anger? Because the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So how is it that we can be angry about the right things and then respond in a just way that is not sinful or bitter or resentful or dishonoring God?
0: And that's exactly the where I'm trying to, to aim with this discussion around fierce and lovely because, yes, how do we do that and not become, like you said, sinful in our response to injustice. And I I think part of what I'm hearing in what you're saying is as we fight against sin and fight against what is evil in the world, we are offering the counter, which is life. And that is the loveliness of creating mm-hmm. life and beauty mm-hmm. in response to what is ugly and sinful and wrong. and. Finding that balance of how to do that without becoming self-righteous, I think, is is really hard. I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a spiritual discipline that we need to to practice to, to find for ourselves. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I agree
1: wholeheartedly. I couldn't say it any better. I think you know, as we grow in spiritual maturity, um, with this heart for God and, and a heart for God's people and a heart for God's church and a heart for God's message, you know, the gospel that we do, um, grow in understanding and knowledge and awareness and learn how to, without actions to, in our words, to lean into, into that.
0: hmm Yeah. Well, your the way you cover it and, and discuss it in your book is just awesome. I cannot wait for people to read it and find it, Natasha, and, um, let let's for, just for the sake of time i want to talk about your daughter cuz i feel like that's another little kindred spiritish kind of thing that we've got in terms of raising strong girls i i see you um bringing her along to so many of the things that you're doing and places you're speaking just casting a vision for her of what god is doing in the world and and through you um so can you tell me a little bit more, just about how you're raising her, how you're, how you're mm-hmm. casting a vision to her of, um, kind of who she's designed to be. Just tell us, talk a little bit about how you're parenting this this beautiful young woman. Yeah, parenting
1: is hard, and um, <laughs> I think it's a thing that. God has put in my life to humble me. It is the thing that makes me angry on more days than I care to admit, but that is the truth. Um, But she's a great, she's a great, great human being. And I don't say that because she's mine. I say that because she just is. I'm just a very kind and compassionate, um, thoughtful, creative uh, person. And I'm trying to, um, I, I think that's the thing God has put in my life to humble me. I, I, I try to figure out like what to do with her. <laughs> like, God. like I mean, cause there are, there are ways in so, so many ways that we are alike. And then there's so many ways that we're different, you know what I'm saying? And so in yeah. you know, the ways that we're different, I'm like, I don't really know what to do with that. Like really just, uh, so I'm trying to, you know, she's at an age now where I'm really hoping and trying to always, you know, kind of connect her with people that, um, you know, can be her mentors. You know, I mean, she's at an age now where she can really um, do that. But I think for us, you know, it's just started off very, very simple in that, you know, just prayer, a lot of prayer, and a lot of word. You know, so those are things I did with her in her earlier um, years, and you know, teaching her how to pray. Um, you know, reading the word to her um, every day. And I and and honestly, I do a little bit less of that now. Um, not, not because it's it's not important, but because. Um, I'm I'm trying to give her some stewardship of her faith. Like I don't want her to get to college and have the crisis of her faith, and then she's not doing these things because mama's not there and requiring it of her. So you know, at this point, I um, she's in middle school now. She knows how to read, you know, and so I'm encouraging <laughs> her. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm encouraging yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, like, did, did you get your word? You know, did you did you pray? Um, who got that chicken in your mouth? But did you thank the Lord for that food? You know, so those are kind of things. Now I'm I'm trying to um you know, when this middle ground in in my opinion of her, um, trying to encourage her to do those things on her own so that when she leaves this house, um, because she will, she can't stay here, um, that when she leaves this house, that she would um, have, it would be her faith and not mama's faith and daddy's faith and her relationship with Jesus and not just mom and dad relationship with Jesus. And so I think, you know those things are important and i, I see that the work that mm-hmm. i'm doing uh that now particularly with our non-profit she gets to be a part of it it's the first year that she's eight become of age where she can do that and so she's getting to see uh i think you know before probably three years ago she only saw mommy working you know and all the time and, and i say all the times i work from home so you know i work probably the same as other people but she gets to see it more you know and right. so, yeah. I feel like she'll see mommy work over all the time and she never really saw the fruit of what mommy was working for or why mommy was working. And so now she's, she has a much better understanding of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And, and, and I personally believe that that's going to be important for her spiritual formation because it's not just. I'm out here preaching and teaching, but she sees the behind the scenes stuff, you know, um, and, the, and the sacrifice and, the, and all of that. And so I, I'm praying that the Lord will, honor that. Um, and that would be an important motivation as she goes forth and decides how she's going to serve and advance God's kingdom um, to her to her generation. And so I, I really see in bringing her along with these things, is an act of, of her discipleship, you know, and, and to expose her to other people that are living their lives for Jesus as well. That's why I take her along. I mean, not just um so she could be with me I mean that's part of it I you know I, I think that quality time at this age is important for her but also because I want her to see other people who love Jesus and it's like this is not just something mommy's talking about and it's not just something you're reading about in the book like there are people for real living today that love Jesus and, and let me introduce you to some of them and so um I think it's just for me an important part of, of her discipleship
0: Yeah, I think exposing our kids to other really cool people is so important, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, for sure. And I think what I'm hearing in your heart for her is probably connected to your passion for your nonprofit, Leadership Links. And I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear just a little bit more about that, what you're doing um, in your work with young women um, Mm -hmm. in that nonprofit. Can you tell us a little bit?
1: Yeah, Leadership Links, L-I-N-K-S, Incorporated as a 501c3 nonprofit. Links stands for our core values of love, inspiration, network, knowledge and service and um, our vision is to connect people with purpose so really what we're wanting to do is connect people with god um the catalyst for that is leadership education so we do that our mission is to offer leadership education that facilitates impactful living character and spiritual development so again we're trying to develop leaders holistically our targeted group and and what we're primarily focusing our programming on in the last we're, we're three years old so the last three years has been middle and high school girls so we've offered a leadership summer program every every year walk-in purpose leadership summer program for girls and then last year we launched our year-long mentoring program so it's a long-term investment we meet with them every month um, for the whole school year and um, we offer some college prep and, and, and you know, get them on, on college campuses, but also we offer them life-changing experiences. So we bring in leaders and mentors, expose them to different career fields where girls traditionally or women traditionally have not been leading in the higher echelons of leadership. And so we um, are offering workshops and training in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, entrepreneurship and business, military and government, and arts and media. So we are really encouraging them and. Opening them more so um, to those career fields so they can um, pursue them and and thrive and really just offering good life skills too and character development that if they you know choose to do other things that they'll have a very solid foundation in which to do it and knowing that Jesus is going with them wherever they go and so we are really interested in making a long-term investment in these girls following them you know through middle and high school and also into college hopefully with some internships and job opportunities And, and then also creating our opportunities for our core value of service for them to come back and serve us and hopefully um do the same for others wherever you know the lord sends that we're very excited about that and this year we're launching a, a pilot program for boys as well and so as god continues to help us grow the ministry we'll continue to do more work and so people can find out more about the nonprofit through our, our website leadershiplinksinc.org so leadership it links, L-I-N-K-S-I-N-C dot org and they can find out more about us and can, you know, give and, and make a donation to to our nonprofit there. We would love to support.
0: So right now, is it, are you located in just kind of a local context and Mm -hmm. in a couple schools there locally, right, Mm -hmm. for right now? Is your heart to to kind of create curriculum or create a model that would kind of go bigger?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And (laughs) and I'm glad you asked because, I mean, quite frankly, uh, I'm just going to be, you know, direct about that. You know, it's, it's a money issue. Right, like, cause right. we are we are based in North Carolina. Um, we did our first pilot program in Maryland, actually, cause that's where our network was, and um, that was before we incorporated as a five hundred one c three. So we have girls. Um, our last program, our last summer program, we graduated. Whew, golly, I want to say. I don't even want to get the wrong number because I, I I'm I'm a little tired and, and I'm gonna get the wrong number. But what I do know that we had representation from six different states. So we had a girl, we had a young girl um, fly all the way from California. We had one from Florida. We had one from Virginia. We had one from District of Columbia, um, in, in DC. And then we had one from um, uh, at several. Obviously, the majority of our girls from North Carolina. And I feel like I'm, I'm missing a state in there somewhere, but we had, um, you know, so we have really good representation and the girls were connected to. And again, we don't just touch them in the summer. We continue relationships. We continue to offer opportunities for them throughout the year. And so we're already doing that. But what I would really love to see is the mentoring program, which we primarily offer in North Carolina to see that. Um, expand to other parts of the country. And so, um, as the Lord provides financially, that we are able to build curriculum and offer training for that. That's what we're working towards over the next two to three years.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, well, I know that's certainly needed. And, you know, I see I see mentorship programs. I, I'm not sure that they are nearly as um, thoughtful mm-hmm. and <laughs> purposed as mm-hmm. what I'm hearing from yours. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course you do. You, mm-hmm. That's why you've designed it to be Absolutely. different. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I will definitely include that in show notes for people to go and, and check it out and follow um, follow that and, and see if they would have a desire to get involved. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're looking for volunteer mentors as well as mm-hmm. you grow mm-hmm. and Absolutely. expand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Natasha, thank you for your leadership um, in in just so many different ways. Thank you for um, being a voice and putting those words on paper and speaking them forth and leading young women and um, your community. I'm grateful for you. Thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Listeners, you can possibly win a copy of Natasha's new book, A Sojourner's Truth. Just head over to my Instagram page at Beth H. Bruno. And when you see her episode go live, just leave a comment. Tag a friend or two or three who you think might enjoy her book as well and enter to win a free copy. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am deeply encouraged by Natasha and how she is fully offering herself to the world. I I can think of no better example of embracing the both and of fierce and lovely than hers. And I'm going to leave you with these words that are still just echoing in my soul She said, if there is no anger, then perhaps there is no consciousness. When we are angry about the things that make God angry, that is a righteous, not a self-centered anger. That's the passion that I believe we ought to be offering to the world. And that's the same passion I talk about inciting in our young women, our young daughters that I write about in my book, A Voice Becoming. Uh, Those are words that are going to be um, just settling deeply for me this week as I reflect on my conversation with Natasha. And I hope that they are encouraging and inspiring and challenging to you as well. I would love for you to pick up a copy of her book, and I would also love for you to leave a review on the show if you've enjoyed what you've heard. This is Beth Bruno. Thanks for listening to The Fierce and Lovely Podcast.